Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the third service of Nashville Life. Uh, great, great group. Good to see everybody. My name is Alvin. For those of you who are here for the first time, I serve as lead pastor here. And uh, I was, sometimes we go back into songs, but I kind of wanted to go back into uh, Everything Else Fades. That one was sticking with me. Um, when I said my eyes on you when I said my eyes on you let's just loop that when I said my eyes on you when I said when I said my eyes on you everything else everything else fades when I look your way, everything else fades. When I look your way, everything else fades. When I look your way, everything else fades. When I look your ways. Can you drop the beat? Let's do it when I said. When I said. My eyes on you. Yes, Jesus. When I set my eyes on you. One more time. When I set my eyes on you. Everything else, everything else fades. When I look your way. Everything else fades when I look your way. God, we thank you, Lord. You are so powerful that when we look at you, everything else fades, God. And you are such a bright light, Lord. You are so good, Lord. And I just pray that all of us, just during this time in your word, uh, we would just focus in on you. Lord, make a point to focus on your word and what you're saying to us. Lord, and we know that when we do that, all the distractions, all of the cares and the worries will just fade away. Um, and we get to walk through those issues with you being our focus, God. So help us to have our mind on you during this time. And we just know that you're going to bless us. And uh, we pray that you are blessed by this time that we are gathered around your word. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I like that song. Um, well, good to see everybody. We are coming off of a great week. We had a great Mother's Day last Sunday. It was awesome. Thanks so much for coming out. And bring in your moms and your families and just friends. Uh, my grandmother was able to share with the church. Uh, this is her first time speaking at Nashville Life. And uh, I wanted her to come back. Uh, she, she was full of wisdom. And it was great seeing everybody take notes. And whether you were a mother or whatever role you play in your family, I think she inspired us all to build our families on the word of God. Um, and have confidence in its counsel. The word of God's counsel is good enough for us to build strong and healthy families, even in this day and age. The word is still strong enough 
for us to build strong and healthy, godly families. And I was inspired by it, loved it. Um, today is Life Group Sunday. We're kind of promoting our life groups for the summer. We start in two weeks, but today we have a meet and greet for anyone who wants to hear about our options, see what our groups, I think there's about 27 groups that we're offering this summer. So chances are there's something that fits what you're looking for, what you need, your stage of life. Um, our prayer is that we have something for you. Our desires for everybody at Nashville Life, if you call this church your home, we want you to be a part of a group. And this one's a six-week six semester. It's short. Um, and to my right, there's a table where you can meet some of the life group leaders, uh, get some information, ask some questions, and take a Krispy Kreme donut. We got some donuts out there for you if you want one. Uh, but I would love for you guys to make an effort to search our life groups and see if there's one that you can participate in this summer. Uh, but let's get into the word. I'm excited to get into the scripture uh, we're really focusing on one scripture verse this Sunday, but uh, there's a whole lot in it, and I want to get to all of it. So repeat these words after me. Say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. Well, I started the month of... May, talking about action. I felt very compelled to talk about action during the month of May. I believe the Christian faith demands action for it to be considered useful. Uh, without action, I believe our faith uh, is worthless. Uh, the Bible goes as far to call it dead when we believe in the risen Savior, but we don't accompany it with good works and action, uh, that ends up causing the faith to not be effective. And we are called to be effective, amen? With our lives, we want to make an impact. We want to make a difference on the lives of others. And that takes action. And action takes power, especially action that you are doing in the name of Jesus. You can't do actions in the name of a powerful God and not have power backing it up. So we as people of God, if we're going to be participating in, in, in good works and being active in our faith, it's important that we know that there's power for us and how to access that power. Um, I want to talk about power uh, for two weeks Next week, I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. It is Pentecost Sunday for those of you who, who don't know. And Pentecost Sunday really marks 50 days after Jesus was raised from the dead. So Jesus was raised from the dead, and there was 50 days, and then there was a huge festive weekend that happened. And God chose this weekend, this time, this 50-day mark to pour out his promised Holy Spirit on his disciples and there were about 120 of them in this upper room, and the Holy Spirit came according to Scripture, and it manifested via speaking in tongues. These people spoke in tongues for the first time, and then they went out, and they started proclaiming the goodness of God in a way that was very powerful, very effective, so powerful that 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus that morning. And that just, that's just the men. I, that was 3,000 men, not including the women and children. So you can only imagine how many more 
was total for this, this great harvest. And this really marked the church as we know it. This was the birth of the church as we know it. And I mean that by that was the first time that we see where Jesus Christ was not physically present. At this point, his body had ascended up into the heavens, which is had to have been crazy to see. Um, his body went up to the heavens, but he gave his authority, his spirit, his power to his followers. So that was the first time that we saw the work of Jesus being done while Jesus wasn't physically there. So we were able to see God's work done by spirit-filled and empowered people. And that's the day and age that we live in today. Jesus is still seated in the heavens according to scripture. But because his spirit is here and because his power is here through the believers, through the church, the work of Jesus can be done even though he's way up there. And that, that was the start of this. That was the birth of, of the church as we know it. And we want to celebrate that day because it's a day that still lives on. People are still being empowered by the Holy Spirit. People are still stepping into this new power of, of boldness and effectiveness to do the work of Jesus by his spirit. Um, so if you want to learn more about the power of the Holy Spirit, if you want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, if you have a friend or a neighbor or a relative that you would like to receive the power or learn about the power of the Holy Spirit as we see in Scripture, please, I invite you all to come next week because uh, we're going to celebrate Pentecost Sunday and we're going to get into the Word and see what the Scripture says about this power that comes from the Holy Spirit. Before I talk about that power, I want to talk about the first power that a believer encounters, and that is the power of the gospel. Today we're talking about the power of the gospel. Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 through 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Uh, this passage was written by an incredible man, one of the most influential Christians uh, that there is, Paul. And Paul lived a life of great boldness and great courage. He had a very powerful life. And he kind of had to, given his calling and given his circumstance. First of all, God changed his name. His name was Saul originally. And he became Paul after his encounter with Jesus. But before he was Paul, he was Saul. And Saul was a devout Jew. He was a devout uh, studier, student, teacher of the law of Moses. He taught a very rigid doctrine, a very tight doctrine that left really no room for grace and no room for error. So he was very militant and he policed the law of Moses and nothing shook the ground of his traditions and his doctrine more than the message that Jesus came with. Because Jesus, here he is coming, calling people that he, 
Paul was raised to believe could never be holy. And here comes Jesus talking to these same people saying, you're going to be with me in paradise. And you're actually more holy than these guys. And like it was just making them so upset because it shook their entire power structure that they had built um, year after year and tradition after tradition and upholding these things. And they were convinced that they were doing a righteous thing by opposing Jesus, that he was a threat to their theology. He was a threat to their power structure. He was a threat to what they deemed right and what they deemed wrong. And they felt like it was God's will for them to squash Jesus and to squash his message. And that was the zeal and that was the the fervor that inspired them to not only accuse Jesus of blasphemy, but to champion his crucifixion and watch this innocent, sinless person be killed in front of them by crucifixion without blinking an eye. It was this religious zeal, what they thought was a a godly, righteous act, which was actually a very hateful act. And that's something that they fell into. And, And Paul came from this camp. Paul came from this crew. He believed what they believed and taught what they taught and really was out to get anyone who said a different message. So he was persecuting Christians. He was looking for people who were opposing the law of Moses as they had believed uh, was their right to uphold and to protect. Uh, So you can imagine how radical and how amazing it was when he had his encounter with Jesus and Jesus stopped him in his tracks literally on the road to Damascus he was on a road and Jesus appeared to him via a great light and basically confronted with him with truth and that truth was everything that you thought was right is wrong and everything you thought was wrong is right I am the Messiah I am the one that you've been opposing. You have been opposing God himself. You think you were doing a work for God, and all you've been doing is fighting God. And it's blew Paul away. And he became Paul. God changed his name, and immediately his world was flipped upside down. Everybody that he was a friend to, he was now an enemy to. And everybody that he was an enemy to, he was now a friend to. So you can imagine how confusing it had to have been Uh, for everyone in his life. He had the courage to show himself and to show his face in the circle of people that he used to uh, walk with and talk with, his mentors, his priests, his leaders, all the people that influenced and shaped his life. He actually had the boldness to walk in front of these people and and share a completely opposing doctrine uh, that Jesus is Lord and that the Gentiles can find salvation through Jesus. And, and he, he had the boldness and the courage to do this. And then he also had the boldness to show his face in front of the people that he used to actively persecute and actively antagonize and say, I am now your brother in Christ and I, and I want you to accept me and even let me help lead this charge that I was so uh, adamantly against. So he was dealing with distrust on both sides. These guys were calling him a traitor. These guys were calling him suspect and it was all happening at the same time. But he stood firm, and I'm giving you this context because my prayer is that it can breathe even more life into what he wrote of what I just read. Romans 1, I'm going to read the same verse. Romans 1, 16, he says, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone 
who believes. And that was groundbreaking because he comes from the school that if you weren't a Jew, you had no chance for righteousness. But now he's saying the Jews and the Greeks can be found righteous through Jesus Christ. So when you really understand this man's background and how, how he did not grow up believing this, in fact, he grew up being totally against this, and now because of this encounter with Jesus, he is shamelessly proclaiming this gospel that he used to stand against so passionately. Paul had to use boldness for, for the calling on his life. He was constantly being put in jeopardizing, challenging, even life-risking situations. He was, he was dealing with social challenges. His whole social life was flipped upside down. He was dealing with political challenges. He was dealing with legal challenges. He was put in prison numerous times because of his decision to share the gospel. He had uh, physical altercations, being whipped and beaten, and he got up every day and risked his life every day because of this gospel. I truly believe because the reason why he was able to do this is because he believed, according to this passage, that he was carrying the very power of God. And when you know that you're carrying the power of God, no other power seems scary. Because there's no political power, there's no social power, there's no racial power, there's no religious power that is greater than the power of God. And Paul knew that, so therefore he was able and willing to put himself into situations uh, not because he was looking for trouble, but he carried the gospel in that time. And even today, the gospel is trouble. Depending on the circumstance that you're in, the, circle, the gospel is not welcome in, in many circles. And he, he constantly allowed himself to be called into spaces where he wasn't getting a lot of amens. In fact, he was getting handcuffs and stones and, and, and beatings. And did it anyway because he knew he was carrying the very power of God for salvation. Uh, in case you're not familiar with the gospel, I've been saying the gospel a lot. The gospel is more than just a genre of music. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the good news that mercy and grace is now available to you through the person of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the amazing news that healing and restoration and joy is yours to enjoy today simply because of a man named Jesus. The gospel is the good news that the punishment and the wrath that your sins deserve was unleashed fully on Jesus. God has to unleash his wrath on sin. And that's tough news for us because we've all done it. But the cool news about the gospel is that all of the anger and all of the wrath and all the punishment that our sins deserved was put on Jesus when he died on the cross. So therefore, it gives you a way of escape. You can escape God's wrath for the sins that you actually did. Like the gospel isn't you being innocent. It's you being guilty but still getting able to live in uh, life as if you were innocent. Like, that's the gospel. Like, you did it. <laughs> you actually did it, but the sentence of the punishment was, was taken care of by somebody else. That's the good news. And the scripture says that it's more than just good news, but when a person, when a sinner, when a guilty sinner believes in this news, according to the scripture we just read, it becomes God's power 
for your salvation. Which is why Paul wasn't embarrassed to go and share this controversial news because he knew that if I get one person to believe, God's power is going to get in that person and it's going to be well worth the whippings. It's going to be well worth the imprisonment. It's going to be well worth the shipwrecks. It's going to be well worth everything because I'm going to see God's power form in each person who believes the gospel that I'm going to share. The word believe comes from the Greek word pistuo, and that means to put full confidence in, to totally trust, to totally rely on. So when you believe in the gospel, that means you are placing your entire trust. You are relying completely on this news that you have been forgiven of your sins, that you have been saved from the punishment that your sins deserve. And when you lean on that, when you believe in this news, according to the word, God's power is manifested. God's power is manifested when a sinner believes the gospel. His power, his actual power, the power that created the universe, the power that, that, that does all the things that God does, that power comes into the person who believes the gospel. Now, let me talk about that power because it's important that we understand the purpose of that power, especially human beings. <laughs> we have the tendency to misuse power if it's not directed in the right way. The Bible says that God's, the gospel is God's power for salvation. Can everyone say for salvation? That's a really important detail. The gospel is God's power for salvation. And the reason why I'm so glad that Paul specified what the power is for is because it keeps us from misusing that power. Human beings have a tendency to take power and to misuse it. We use it to, to dominate. We use it to control. We can use power to manipulate. We can use power to... Uh, satisfy our own insecurities and our own desires. Like, people can do pretty messed up stuff with power. So when God gives you his power, which he does, he's letting you know that this is power for your salvation. So let me go ahead and just kind of spell out some examples. When a sinner believes in the gospel or when a person acknowledges that the gospel is true and true for them, God's power takes your life from the death and darkness and deception and despair that it was in, and it pulls it into the peace and the light and the joy and the safety of his care. When you believe in the gospel, the Bible says before this moment you're dead. You're a dead man walking. Like you're breathing and you're working and you're driving, but you have no life in you. The Bible says that when you believe, God's power gives you life. So you go from being dead to, to alive. That's, that's, how, that's another way the power is used. When God's power enters your life, it's to pull you further away from darkness and the past that you once lived into your righteous, holy future. That's what the power is for. 
So if you're looking to get out of the mess that you're in, if you're looking to finally break that, that cycle of addiction and, and sin, if you're looking to finally escape that spirit of fear that's been tormenting you for, for years, I have good news for you. God's power is here to help you get out of all of that. And the access that you have to that power comes simply by believing in this gospel. Because again, the word says the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. A lot of times we can read these stories, you know, we read Paul's conversion, the road to Damascus, and we hear about Jesus physically appearing to him as this huge light and him audibly hearing his voice. And a lot of times we can kind of, I don't know, if you're like anything like me, you can think, man, if that, if that happened to me, I bet it would be easier, you know, to, to believe that God is powerful if that happened, you know, to me. And, and hey, that might be true. I'm not even going to say that's not true. But I can say that that is not necessary. Having some sensational experience where you see God as great as it is and as fun as I'm sure it would be, slash probably a little scary. Um, it's not necessary. And the reason why I know it's not necessary because the scriptures show us that it's not necessary. The scripture says, again, I'm going to read it again, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who's sees angels, to everyone who experiences some kind of crazy sci-fi experience, to everyone who believes, which is great news for you and me, because according to the scripture, all you have to do is believe the message of the gospel, and God's power will show up in your life immediately. Now, it's nothing wrong to still long for good thing, cool things to happen and you want to see miracles. I'm not saying you should not want to see that. I mean, I want to see some stuff. At the same time, it is wrong to think I will not be able to experience God's power until that happens. Because that's not a scriptural belief. That's unbiblical. The Bible says that you can have the power of God simply by believing in the gospel when it's preached to you. Um, I want to clarify something in case it's relevant to anybody in the room. There is a difference in believing that the gospel is true and believing that the gospel is for you. I didn't know this until later in my life, um, and I was very confused for many years because I believed in the gospel, I believed in the facts, I knew the story, but I was not experiencing God's power in my life. And it wasn't until I realized that there's a difference in believing that it's real and believing that it's for you. That for you turns out to be the deal maker or the deal breaker. When I actually believed that the gospel was for me, that's actually what activated God's power in my life. And that didn't happen until years and years after I'd heard the gospel. I was 23 in this moment when it happened. And when God's gospel, when, this, when the news of his mercy, when I was able to make the connection that it was for my actual life, like my literal life, 
that's when the power began to show up in my life. And I found myself, and I just want to kind of let you know what this looks like, because I didn't feel anything tangible. And, and God bless you, those, because some of y'all did. Some of y'all have the stories of, you know, it was like something going down my spine, or it was like liquid love coming. Like, and I, God bless you. <laughs> I know those stories, and I'm all for it. That's not my story. There was nothing tangible. At the same time, I found myself able to do things that I could not do before. So it didn't show up in the feeling, but it did show up in the enablement to do things that prior to believing that the gospel was for me, I could not do. Things like confessing my sins to somebody else. I had so many secrets. I didn't tell anybody my sins. And because I'd have the power to do it, I would have never allowed myself to do it. And all of a sudden, I found myself able and willing to tell people sins that I had done. I was one of the elders in the church in Australia, and I set up with a meeting with them, and I started telling them things that I promise you I was not able to do before. That's God's power giving me the ability to get free by confessing sins. <laughs> had the power to speak in new tongues and prophesy, something that I did not could not do. God's power gave me the ability to prophesy. I was able to pray for people without knowing their situations and speak things, and they were validating, verifying, saying that those things were true. And I was like, how in the world did that happen? I couldn't do that before, but simply by believing that the gospel was for me gave me power to do things that before I would have said it's not for me. There's a lot of you guys in this room that you believe in that stuff, but you've told yourself that it's not for you. I believe that it can happen, that's just not for me. And my question is, who told you that? You really need to ask yourself, where did I get that from? Who told me that God's power in that way was not for me? Be careful that you don't make the mistake of saying, because it hasn't happened yet, it's not for you. In that case, people who aren't saved aren't supposed to be saved. Like, you got, that logic is not right. You can say I haven't experienced it before, but that's a very different statement that it's not for me. One is just saying what hasn't happened yet. The other one is saying this, is, this will never happen for me. You're cutting off so much of what God could have for you because you've convinced yourself that X, Y, and Z is not for me. And I'm seeing that when you realize that not only is this real, but it's for me, God. That's when it becomes powerful in your life. So I was prophesying. I was able, I had the power to understand scriptures that I couldn't understand before. And then I had the power to communicate my understanding to people. And my understanding was helping their understanding. That was something that I did not have the power to do before. But by simply believing that the gospel was not just true and historically accurate, but for me. That's what opened the door to the power of, the God, of God to be in my life. And, it, and the gospel moved to some, you know, holy fairy tale and this theoretical doctrine to something that was my life on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday, on Thursday. Like, it was my literal life. And that had not happened before. So if I'm speaking to anyone who can relate to that, go ahead and add that for me. Add that for me clause. Because something about it, it, it connects the gospel to your heart, to your mind, to your body. How many people, how many of us have been guilty of, I know God can heal, but just he just probably, he can't heal me. 
I know he healed them of that disease, but he can't. Guys, we need to repent. We have been discounting ourselves from the the, the gospel. (laughs) We've been counting ourselves out. And we're missing out on the power of God, not because it's not there. But we have to add the phrase that it's for us. Had the power to risk social rejection. I was able, I had the power to be rejected by people because of my belief in Jesus. That was something I was not able to do. That was one of my biggest fears, being rejected by friends. I did not have the power to stomach rejection. And now, because of the gospel, I had the power to actually allow myself to be rejected for the sake of the gospel. And yes, it wasn't, it doesn't feel good, but I have the power to do it. That's another thing about you guys. Some of y'all don't have the power to do what doesn't feel good. How can you be a Christian and not be willing to do what doesn't feel good? Like, that's literally what Jesus did his entire life. The cross, guys, like some of us don't have the stomach for, for, for pain and for resistance. And if you believe in the gospel, he will give you the power to go through things that hurt. He will give you the power to go through situations that hurt. And it won't, and it, it will hurt. Now, that's one thing he doesn't do. He doesn't take the pain away. But he does give you the ability to endure it. And then he actually allows that pain to develop you and make you more like him. These are the things that I did not have the power to do before, that when I believed in the gospel, I found myself walking in the power to do things like praying, things like obeying God. I knew the commandments of God, and I knew what the Bible said about certain things, but I did not have the power to obey. But it wasn't until I believed in the gospel that I now had God's power to obey his word. And I found myself walking more consistently further away from darkness and closer into his light. This is the power for salvation. This is what that looks like. Does that make sense? Cool. Um, The gospel isn't just for unbelievers as well. A lot of times we think the gospel message is just for that time when you, you know, not a Christian, you come to the altar, and then a lot of us really start tuning out when we hear, you know, the gospel because we've heard it already or we've believed it already, and I just think that's a huge error. That's a huge error because every time you hear the gospel, God has given you a new opportunity to believe the gospel, and every time you believe the gospel, God's power comes fresh back into your life. And there's too many of us who are tuning our ears out because we're mature or we need meat. And we hear John 3.16 and we're like, oh, this is probably for somebody else. Meanwhile, you're blocking your heart from another opportunity to believe that God loves you so much. I haven't met a mature believer yet that doesn't need to be reminded that God loves them. In fact, the further you're in it, the more you need the encouragement. You never mature to where you are be. I mean, as if, I, John 3.16, that ministers to me every time I hear it. And I want to tell this church that because I think we get very content 
obsessed. And it's like, I need content. I need different content. And if I hear different content, then I'll mature. And guys, you're putting so much emphasis on the content when really the main thing that we should be looking at is the condition of our hearts. Because I don't care what the content is, if, our, if the heart isn't in a place of purity to where we can receive the seed of the word with life, nothing will be produced. And some of us are hearing the word of God and we're in worship services and nothing's happening and we're not sensing any power in our lives. And we're blaming the content. We're blaming the worship leader. We're blaming the church. You know, I just... I just I just think I'm really, no, okay, maybe. I'm not saying that it's impossible that it's the worship leader. But I am saying that more of us need to be quicker to ask ourselves, if no life is happening in me, perhaps it's the soil, the condition of the soil of my heart. Because the seed, the word of God is life. Every ounce of the Bible is life. I'm convinced that when your heart is pure enough, if your heart is truly a good condition and environment for the word of God, you can go to kids' life and receive deliverance today. We're just searching. I need the prophet. I need, the, I need this person. I need this person. And I'm all for the gifts, and I'm all for people being able to teach and break things down in ways that simulate our brain. But I am against us thinking that that is necessary for us to get closer to Jesus and to become more like him. That's what I'm against. I remember when I was in Australia and I had my, my heart was changed and I came back to Nashville and I was hearing the most played out songs that used to bore me, that used to make me yawn. And I would find myself weeping. To the, the songs didn't change, the lyrics didn't change, but my heart changed. So if you're stone cold towards the things of God and you're going from church to church to church to church and trying to find something, guys, perhaps it's, perhaps it's you. You know what I'm saying? Perhaps, I know that's not sweet news, but it might be the news to save your life. And it will save you some gas money and some energy. Y'all are just trying to find all of these things. And it's the same seed everywhere you go. But it's also the same heart everywhere you go. And the reason why it's not, because something you need to assess your heart. Has something happened in my heart that has made me resistant to the word of God that I used to come alive to? Why doesn't that song hit like it used to hit? Why doesn't John 3.16 encourage me like it used to? Why doesn't hearing that Jesus loves you make me come alive like it used to? Is it because I need a new phrase to hold on to? Or is it that I need a new heart to receive the word of God? The good news about it is that God knows how to give you a new heart. He can create in you a clean heart. He can remove the stones and the rocks. And you'll find yourself going back and hearing that same message that did nothing for you three weeks ago. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, why do I feel so much activity? The Lord goes, because we clean your heart. <laughs> I've been trying to do that for a while. So that's for somebody. I don't know who, but it's for somebody. Uh, 
every time you hear the word, it's a new opportunity to believe. It's a new opportunity for God's power to give you what you need for that day. To be, to remain on the path of salvation. To get closer and closer to your destination, which is home with him. Closer and closer to your goal of becoming more like Jesus. I want to end talking about responsibility. Everybody is responsible for, uh, for, the, for a response to the gospel. Once you hear the gospel, you immediately become responsible, which is why the devil fights so many people to be in the word of God. Because I think subconsciously we know once I hear it, I can't act like I didn't hear it. So let me just tune it out. <laughs> Because the Lord holds you accountable for the thing, and he knows he has a record for all of the things that you've heard. And you are responsible with how you hear the gospel message. And you have one of two responses whenever you hear the gospel. You can either accept it or reject it. You can either say, yes, this is for me, or no, this is not for me. If you say it's not for you, then you won't experience God's power and you will have to continue doing life the way you've been doing it, which is by your own strength, your own logic, your own understanding, your own skills. And your success or lack thereof will continue. It'll look just like how it's been. You have no reason to expect anything different to happen in your life. If you accept, according to the scripture, God's power for salvation will manifest within your life. And you will find yourself able, empowered to do what you could not do before. And my prayer as a pastor, as a friend, as a fellow human being, my prayer is that you say, I accept. I accept that this is for me. I accept that your mercy is for me. Your grace is for me. Your healing is for me. Your restoration is for me. No longer do I count myself out of this gospel message. Lord, it's for me. You died on that cross for me. You want to save my life. You want to empower my life. You want to change me. And when that happens, I'm telling you, it's immediate. The other word for God's power is his grace. It's just almost like, what do you call it? Clear? Like, that's what happens. Like, it's this. And again, you might not feel it, but you will experience its effects because it would be like, man, you'll find yourself just doing stuff that you just didn't do before. I just opened up. I just, I just confessed some stuff that I never used to do that. And you'll just see, you'll just start seeing yourself step into new decisions and choices. And you're putting yourself in different situations that you're like, I would have never done this. That's my favorite thing about Nashville Life. We, I feel like we're the place of a lot of firsts. 
And I just love it. I just love seeing people step into this. is the first time that I've been in a small group. Wow. This is the first time that I've ever lifted my hands. We get a lot of that. We're definitely the first time a lot of people spoke in tongues. Uh, we're the first time people, uh, I don't know, there's all kinds of firsts. And it's just the best. And this is, this is what God's power will do. It will, st- it will, it will lead you into so many firsts. And then new firsts. That's what I love about my family. My dad is in the 70s, and he's still experiencing firsts in the faith, like new things that he's never experienced before. God's power leads you into deeper waters. He allows you to tread in places that were just down on the horizon years ago, and you'll be there. You'll be at that spot. You're like, oh, man, look how far I've come. That's God's prayer, prayer for you. That's my prayer for you. So I'm, I'm holding everybody responsible now. Everyone has a chance to respond. And my prayer is that after this prayer, everybody chooses to accept this gospel message for yourself and watch God's power show up in so many fun and exciting ways. And I mean that. Let's all stand. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your word. God, I ask, Lord, that you would help every person to accept this gospel message for themselves. Help them to accept it. Accept that you loved them so much that you gave your only son and that if they believe in your son, they won't perish but they'll have everlasting life. Lord, I pray abundant life for every person. And Lord, let them know that it's theirs for the taking. The ball is in our court. The minute we believe that this gospel message is for us, the power of God, your power, your power, God, will rise up in each believer. God, so I pray that this happens for some people for the first time, and then for those who've already believed in the gospel, Lord, you are going to show them that that power never runs out, and you want to refresh your power in the hearts of people. Lord, give them the courage to believe again. Say, I believe all over again, Lord. Give me, Lord, I receive the gospel all over again, and there's going to be a fresh power a new, fresh zeal for God that's going to enable you to do the next steps that God is calling you to. So repeat these words after me if you are ready to confess your belief in Jesus. And when you confess something about the believing being paired with the confession, when you allow the words to come out of your mouth, The Lord says that that will generate his power in you. So repeat these words after me if you're ready to accept and believe in the gospel. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe 
that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. Can we just make a sound of thanksgiving, a sound of faith? Hallelujah! If you believe in the good news, let's act like it. Let's celebrate. God is awesome. God is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to congratulate everybody who made the decision to believe or to believe again. Congratulations to you. If you want to let us know that you said yes to Jesus, please, please do so. You can text us. Text belong, the word belong, to 77411. And it'll get to us, and we can send some content your way, and you can let us know. We'll reach out to you if you want. Um, but it's just a great, easy way to connect. Another way to connect is we have a prayer team that's going to be right here. Y'all can get in position. These people have agreed to pray. They are gifted to pray. They won't pray long, but if you have any requests, any prayer needs, they are here to serve. You are not inconveniencing us. It is their pleasure and it is their gifting to bless you with prayer. So if you have any needs, please come on down. Don't be shy on your way out. Uh, we have our meet and greet here if you want to learn more about the life groups. We have next steps starting in right when I say amen. I'm going to the third floor. I will be in next steps if you want to get more involved on our team, get more involved in the church. We just started three services so we could really use some, some extra help. So if you want to be a part of what we're doing, come on up. We'll sign you up. And then lastly, if you want to give, thank you in advance. You can give your tithes and your offerings either online or our finance team can serve you in the lobby. Y'all good? Let's dismiss. Uh, Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray a blessing over every person who's here. Lord, let your power continue to rise up in every believer and give them the ability to do things for you that they were not able to do before. We thank you in advance for the miraculous life and the great future that you have for us all. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great afternoon, y'all.